This podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Helen Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello again. Welcome. Welcome back. Sorry, my camera got real dark <laughs> for a second. I was adjusting it and it went black. Sorry. So, how are you? I'm I'm good, I think. I have a new cup. So, mm-hmm. for those of you that are Stanley fans, I don't love the Stanley. I already mentioned it. I even <laughs> filled it up. Filled it packed of ice. And I just don't feel like it kept my ice very well. So, we're trying a new type that's mm-hmm. cheaper. There's currently ice in there, but we'll see. And how long has there been ice in there? A couple minutes. It's, it oh, was also okay. warm water that I put in there, so it's pretty melted already. Okay. So this is not um, a legit scientific experiment. No. I'm not exactly <laughs> packing each of them full of ice and seeing how long they last. Mm-hmm. But I stand by what I said about the Stanley. I don't get the hype. I don't have one. Um, I have this which I don't know what brand it is, but it's from the shelter in Mobile that I used to work at. And then I have a mossy oak that I don't know where it come from. I kind of just acquired it. I never bought it. But the mossy oak one, I have put water in there in the morning and left it out on the counter because I'm responsible. Uh, but there was still water in it until like, like noon the next, I mean ice, sorry, and water. There was still ice in it until like noon the next day. So I'm like, yeah. mm, I I'm kind of digging this free non-Stanley that come from yeah. I don't know materialized in my cabinets. I I'm the one that materializes the cups in my cabinet. <laughs> but no, I'm good. I don't think I have any stories since we last recorded. Let me think back on discussions with my father. Let me just look back on discussions with my father. Just to be sure. Just to make sure. Um, what days for these ones? I don't know. We also haven't given him much time to reply, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't replied to anything on the episode that just released, but mm-hmm. he's not going to. He listens to those on his way to work or yeah. on his way home. Well, good. So we don't have to talk about that until next week. About what specifically? Him and his comments. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, not until next yeah. week. So it might be a couple weeks for you guys because we're trying to get ahead so that we have some holiday time and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that's fine. We'll just we'll suck at time traveling again and it's fine. We're going to do our best, which is not great, but it's our best. So you have to take it right. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. how the saying goes. We're doing our best. So you have to take it. Yes, that's exactly how it goes. <laughs> well, how are you? Um, let's see, I think I'm okay. Uh, I told you we've still been going strong on the the potty training. We had another, another, I don't want to say accident. We had a very purposeful potty time today. So okay. I'm trying not to be too, because like my bowels, everybody can learn about my bowels. That's fine. These are my daughters though. So, so you, there's a line. Yeah. yeah. My bowels are mine to talk about. Okay, that's fine. I think that's yeah. fair. But let's just say when it comes to the the potty training, I'm doing something right somehow. As long as it's making it in the potty, I think it's fine. Okay, cool. Then I'm fine. I, yeah, I think you're good. Okay. Well, thank even God. If, 
on or near or around the potty, I think it's still a win because you're getting closer. You know, it's not in the living room. Oh my God. Bryce has been everywhere, all over the house. All over the house. Okay. But she but, cleans it up like a champ. So oh, okay. I don't even have to ask her anymore. Like she runs to the dirty towels. She gets a towel. She comes and cleans it up. And then she takes the towel back to the dirty towels. And I'm like, huh. She can almost reach the sink. We might need to start washing dishes here soon. I think that's a good plan. Get her a step stool. She'll be fine. Oh, she has one. She loves it. She was turning the light on and off while I was trying to use the bathroom today. It's great. <clears throat> you sound real happy about that. One day it's going to be funny. Um, I don't know if that's going to be today. No, it's not. Or any day soon, I should say. Maybe next week. Maybe when she's 20. Unless she's still doing that at the age of 20. Oh, we will have problems. Um, <laughs> we will we will move to capital. No, 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 no. Corporal, corporal punishment? What is it when you hit him? Corporal punishment? Yeah. I think so. It's not We're capital punishment. Hands. Okay, that's, that's all there is to it. If she's still doing that. Or when you're in the shower and they throw cold water on you, that's not funny. Oh. That's never funny. No, that we, that will not happen. We will fight. I know where you sleep. And you're I'm not an afraid to lock you out. You're an adult now at that yeah, point. Exactly. You're an adult. And we're going to handle our problems with our adult hands. So let's go. Done. Done deal. I just triggered myself. And I've I still got know. like 18 years for that to happen. Amanda's now just dreading the day that Annie <laughs> is 20 years old because she's like, oh, my God, she's going to she's going to still be turning on and off the lights and she's going to throw cold water on me while I'm trying to shower. Why didn't I learn to lock the door? Damn it. She's going to be licking the floor at the doctor's office like nothing's going to change. And instead of just the floor, she's now going for walls and the door. OK, at this point, we might need uh, I have not done enough in getting her the help mentally and physically that she needs so if she gets to her 20s and we're still having these issues somebody needs to step in and tell me to get my life together if you think i'll let you get to her being 20 years old and acting like that <laughs> if you think okay it's not even just me it's gonna be my dad he's gonna be like he she's 10 years old amanda she's 10 she shouldn't be doing this shit but you know what she's potty trained so finally <laughs> I think that's what matters, right? Yeah, I, I don't have to change them anymore. Look, I've got three potty trained dogs and one potty trained cat, so I'm good. Oh my God, it took me three years to potty train my dog. Well, that's not true. It was the anxiety that was a problem, but he's doing better. Look, my dog is just um, hang out and hold it. Oh yeah, I, there's days like, I try to let him out more than twice a day. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lay in your bed. You know what? I am. Um, my dogs, first of all, our two big dogs are not fans of the snow at all. And it's, there are days like, yeah, I work from home. So I'm home with them all day now. I didn't used to work from home. But um, Maisie's only ever known me working from home in case you're wondering. Mm. But the two big ones, there are days where it's a fight to get them to get off the couch and go outside. <laughs> even though I'm like, I guarantee you gotta go potty i guarantee you need to and they look at us like we're idiots or <laughs> this the black lab right here mm -hmm. this little mofo he 
There are days where he will not go outside unless I get up and go outside with him. That is Buck. Buck will have, like, he'll be, like, chomping at the bit to go outside in the morning. But if James comes into the bedroom and wakes me up and I'm like, hey, can you let Buck out? And he's like, yeah, cool, no problem. Buck will not leave unless I let him out. It's just, here's the thing, is it's random for us. Because sometimes he'll run out just fine. Mm -hmm. And then some days he'll bark. Like, he'll be laying in the living room barking because he wants to go out. And he won't go until either I say, okay, let's go outside. And I stand up and act like I'm going outside. Or if he sees through that act, he'll make me walk his happy ass all the way over to the back door. I feel your pain. And I'm sorry. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. And he doesn't do it with Cody. That's, that dog was Cody's before I even met Cody. What a traitor. I love it. I He's a traitor in our favor, though. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm totally fine with it. That's... That's my boy. That's my boo-boo. But, um, he knows what's up. He does. He's like, this lady came in and got me treats. Like, what are we talking about? She's my favorite. She also <laughs> got who? me. Who's that? Who cares about him? <laughs> and he's like, she also uh, cut, came in and made sure I had a bed. And I could sleep on the bed. Because for a while, he slept on the bed with us. Even though Cody was like, I don't want him to. I don't care. I don't yeah, care. Buck is a bad dog. He's not a couch dog. That's the one rule James laid down. And I'm like, you know what? We can, well, that and I had to train both dogs to sit and wait. Because at my house, they're used to just following me out the door. Well, for whatever reason, once we came up here, they would like barrel rush through the doors and go through you. So that was the only two rules. Had to train them out of doing that. That was pretty easy. And no dogs on couch, which Buck abides by when we're not in the room. I mean, that's fair. No one to supervise him. Yeah. I've gotten on the ring camera before and I was like, get your ass off my couch. He's like, he did not. He was just like, mom, mom, where's mom? I hear mom. He's like, what are you going to do about it? You're obviously not here. Exactly. He like picked his head up, looked around and then just went back to sleep. And I'm like, you sleep. Yeah. See, my dogs are couch and okay. Correction. My dogs don't sleep on the bed anymore, but they they will so our dogs will lay on the bed but they'll like lay and lay there until we're actually falling asleep i think i roll too much for them Mm, like Maisie, if the light is on she'll lay in the bed she's fine as soon as that light goes off and she thinks we're going to bed bye she's not she's not getting (laughs) kicked all night damn it she will in the mornings when she knows we're like waking up or you know in and Mm -hmm. out she'll lay on the bed but even at that she's it's not often but um yeah our dogs are their bed is not nice and perfectly made. Oh, Dad! Hey, I do. We do make a bed every day. It's I don't make it. Cody makes it. Um, it's the dog's bed, <laughs> which is, by the way, on the floor next to Cody's side. That gets made so the dogs will sleep on their beds every night. Because if we don't do that, then they kind of they nose around and they make noise, and it's really annoying. Or they'll get up and pace, and all we can hear are their claws. Click, click, ooh. And Cody also tucks them in every night. Tucks them in? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, that's just... Well, they're cold. The one is. Yeah. He's just... He likes to burrow. Fine. That did remind me, though, we... uh, Sometimes, more often than not, we kind of got out of the habit, but we will make Annie's bed, only because she wants to tuck her stuffed animals in and tell them bye-bye before we leave her room but oh 
Why not, right? Yeah. Someone's getting their bed made. Yeah. Look, a bed in each of our houses is getting made. And that's Mm -hmm. what really matters. So take that. There you have it. Even though um, I would like to point out there has been a development on the bed making debate. Yay. I'm so excited to hear it. My mom told me my dad, does their bed doesn't get made. And then (laughs) my dad sat there. Right. And then I'm on the phone with my mom and dad. I guess we did have a development that I just thought about. I'm on the phone with my mom and dad and I ask my mom and she's like, well, I guess he straightens, (laughs) straightens the bed. And I'm like, that's not making the bed. So I guess he, he straightens the bed, which I don't think counts. That's not making the bed. Yeah. It's not making the bed. No. So I'm just saying. I can clean off the counters, but my kitchen's still dirty. Mm Mm-hmm. So. I mean, just my kitchen's saying. not dirty. That's just my It's my the clutter. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. <laughs> but there is a lot I, of mail up there right now. That's fine. My point being is that, Dad, I, I still see through your BS. So, anyways, that's it. That's my only story that I have. Anyways, I think that's all I've got. Do you have anything else? Nope. Nope, that's it. Okay. I was thinking, but no. Well, are you ready to talk about social media? I am. Tell me about X. Tell me about Twitter. Tell me about Facebook. We have those things. Did well, you know do we that? have an Instagram too? Yeah, we have Shut an Instagram. Shut the front door. Yeah, X is Helen Heels Pod. Facebook, Instagram, Helen Heels Podcast. We also have a link tree. If you just Google Helen Heels Podcast link tree, where we should be the first ones that come up. We do post pictures from all of our episodes there. Um, if I remember, I post videos or anything like that when we have them. We haven't had them in a minute, so sorry, guys. But if you want to see all the pictures that we reference, you can go and look on any of those platforms. If you want to email us with any suggestions, requests, your stories, whatever it is, you guys can email email us, helenheelspodcast at gmail.com. We have our Patreon up and going, working on getting specials released. And then we have, no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much that's, it. Yeah, that's all of them. <laughs> but I was like, wait, I'm missing one. But no, no, no. I already talked about the email. I did it out of order today, guys. Trying to spice it up. Yeah. But if you guys do enjoy listening to our show and all of our bullshit and picking on the Podfather, uh, then make sure to tell your friends to listen as well. Just help us spread the word so we can keep making this um, these episodes for you guys and telling you about all these all this bullshit that we tell you about. You know, yeah, all the can please continue to make it worth our while to not sleep at night. That's what we're asking. I sleep better than Amanda, but that's because I'm an hour behind. So. Unless she's just talking about stories. So, oh well, you know, anxiety and the, the leeches. Yeah, I um, I take Unisom, so I sleep fine. I used to take Trazodone, but I don't go to my shrink anymore. You know, because he's five hundred miles away. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't have that prescription. Oh, okay. and I have kids, so that's oh. fine. We'll just yeah. not sleep. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I just I take Unisom and it all goes away. Well, I think I'm ready for a story. Okay. I mean, so, I don't know. This one, uh, okay, I'm going to tell it, and at the end, you tell me if it sounds familiar, okay? Okay. I, I want to know if you've ever heard of this or not. Um, so, I'm going to tell you about Darlene G. Apollo. She's okay. not great. Um, but the story I have today is from her point of view, because, spoiler alert, she confesses. So, it's Boston, Massachusetts. It's uh, 1947. The police get a call about a scream heard by a neighbor really late at night. 
So around 4 a.m., three police officers knock on the door of Captain Joseph White. He's a retired merchant. He's 82 years old. Captain White, he was rich and he was a jerk about it. It, uh, The people said that they used, he used his money to kind of manipulate his family so they didn't do what he wanted. He was quick to be like, I'm writing you out of my will. Ugh, that's no yeah. fun. Yeah, kind of kind of a bully. So when police knock on the door, uh, Captain White's door, a middle-aged woman answers. And this is Darlene, Darlene G. Apollo. She was divorced. She was a live-in maid. She told police that Captain White was on a trip to the countryside. She said that she had had a bad dream and had screamed that night. She had gotten some water, calmed herself down, and she was about to go back to bed when the police arrived. So... Darlene was super helpful. She invited him inside. Uh, she tells him all this. She took them all around the house, let them look wherever she wanted. She even took them into Captain White's bedroom. Police saw everything seemed fine. Nothing was out of place, um, obviously missing. And so while they're kind of, you know, poking around, they're asking her questions. And Darlene invites them to sit down. She pulls up a chair and she's like, here, have a seat. You know, it's late. Y'all are working the night shift. You look tired. And these cops were like, yeah, you're right. And they sit down. They're talking to her in the man's bedroom. But okay, whatever. Um, Wait, isn't he supposed to be in there? No, he's in the countryside. Oh, you're right. He had, gone, he had gone to the country. Yeah. I mean, you're technically, right. I guess. Yeah. On a normal day, he's supposed to be in there, but not today. Yeah. You, you did say that. I just forgot already. Uh, yeah, so they pulled up these chairs. These police officers gratefully sit down because I, I guess that's the normal thing to do for a police officer when they're in your house at 4 a.m. Um, I didn't. And the t- police got called on my apartment once for domestic disturbance. Um, I did not invite them to sit down. I'm just like, no, come in, check it out. Get out, please. I'm trying to play video games and get drunk. Thanks. Um, like, it's fine. I'll quiet da- down. Okay. Yeah. Well. There was no domestic disturbance. Like, I was home alone. I did live with my little brother at the t- Well, he lived with me at the time. But, like, the only thing... I was like, I'm playing Batman Arkham Asylum. Like, it's kind of brutal. Maybe I had it too loud. But, like, no, it's just me here. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Don't sit down on my couch, please. Ask me your questions. Shine your light around and get out. Okay, thanks. You're like, please don't make yourself comfy. Yeah, please go away. I also feel like as a police officer, I probably, and maybe this is just today's day and age, I just don't feel like I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and chit-chat with you. Yeah, like, here, sit down, have a cup of tea. I mean, I guess this is the 40s. I don't know what policing was like back then. It it feels strange. Yeah, he was alive back then, right? (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell us what policing was like in the 40s since Amanda thinks you're ancient? (laughs) Just try to use modern words when you tell me. Um, um, say speak in speak in small words so she understands. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> so anyway, these cops are they're having a great time, you know, they're chit chatting, and they notice that as they talk, Darlene kind of started getting pale, and they asked her if she was okay, and she said that she just has a little bit of a headache, no big deal. And so they're like, okay, they keep going with their casual questioning, and. They then noticed that Darlene's kind of getting uh, progressively chattier. Uh, she's talking f- more. She's talking faster. Her voice starts getting more and more shrill. And she suddenly stood up from her chair and started 
arguing with them about her being innocent. Uh, she's gesturing wildly, slinging her arms around, pacing the floor, and the cops are just kind of sitting here like, these are, man, these are routine questions. Um, please calm down. Darlene, I, ma'am, it's it's okay. It's not Ms. that serious. Miss Apollo is fine. Okay. Uh, so the officers, are, they're still calm. Uh, they're asking whatever questions you ask at a welfare check. Uh, I can only assume, you know, when did he leave? When's he coming back? Where is he specifically? You know, what part of the country stopped? Yeah. And Darlene suddenly screams, Villains! I admit it! Tear up the floor! Um... Okay, um, first of all, I just put new flooring in. Please don't tear up my floor. <laughs> Secondly, villains. Who's the villain, ma'am? The police. Um, I think they were just asking routine questions. <laughs> well, she points to a specific spot on the floor uh, where she had hidden the deceased and dismembered Captain White under the floorboards. Um, Man, that guilt got to her real quick, didn't it? She's like, oh yeah. She's just like there, her leg tapping, and it gets worse and progressive. I'd be like, you're here for what? His, sir, madam, it's four in the morning. <laughs> I was asleep. If my mm-hmm. husband was murdered, let's deal with it in a couple hours, okay? Like, <laughs> come yeah. back at nine when I'm awake. Yeah, my my employer's out of town. I had the night off, basically. Like, yeah. I can clean anything. I'll clean it tomorrow. It's 4 a.m. No, it's she was... 4 a.m. They arrest the shit out of Darlene Apollo. Okay, I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> I'm sorry, him... Darlene, but you would not be a good accomplice. No, no, she would. That pressure got to her fat, and there was no pressure. That's what I'm saying is she just was like this guilty conscious. Mm-hmm. If I stole a candy bar, would she do that too? She'd be like this, this witch over here. She stole a candy bar from the convenience store. I admit to it. I saw her do it and I didn't say anything. I'd be like, what the hell, Darlene? Last Tuesday at 4.03 PM. I just, I can't live with myself. I can't do it. And it's like, Darlene, <laughs> shut your face. It was a Hershey's calm down. Darlene. Yeah. It's Darlene's fine. not doing herself any favors here. Darlene is not a ride or die type of gal. No. She's not a girl's girl. She can't. Yeah, no. Let's. No, Darlene's she's just a die. Just she's not riding. Well, she she's is riding straight to the police office. <laughs> what? The police station. She's like my little sister. My little <laughs> sister can't keep a secret for the life of her because secrets hurt her heart. Okay, that's that's still every time you tell me that it's just precious. It's just the sweetest little thing. Yeah, she's uh, sweet now. We'll see in a couple of years. She's half. Yeah. She's, she's half my dad. Poor girl. And I remember distinctly a conversation I told you guys about last week where she was putting things in little words so I would <laughs> understand. And so, yeah, I don't think that attitude's going away. Anyways, I go feel like if anything is going to get worse. Yeah, it's fine. But Darlene... Darlene didn't get that. She she's got the secrets hurt my heart. I guess so. Um, secret secrets don't make friends, Darlene. But neither does telling the secrets. He's supposed to keep them. If it's her secret, is it really bad to tell? I guess. In this situation, I would say uh, pretty bad to tell. Even worse to commit. 
I mean, that's that's a different because if she hadn't commit, then she wouldn't have a secret. Then she wouldn't have a secret to tell. So, oh, okay. So that's what this boils down to. Don't kill people, and you won't have to keep secrets. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, moral moral of this episode. Y'all got it early in today. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they arrest her. She's down at the station. She gives him a full com- full confession. She claimed that Captain White, even though he kind of wasn't the best, it seemed like he wasn't the best person. I don't know him personally. He had never wronged her. He never insulted her. He treated her right. He paid her well. He gave her a place to stay while she was divorced because uh, she was a live-in maid. Mm-hmm. She loved this man, adored him. Okay, why'd she kill him? I'm glad you asked. So Captain White, he was blind in one eye. And she explained this eye as pale blue with a film over it. She hated this eye. She said when she looked at it, it made her blood stand cold. It's his eye. When she looked at it. I'm sorry. When it looked at her, her blood ran cold. Did you say he was, was he blind at that eye? Completely blind? Yes. So it doesn't look at her. No. I, I, the way I felt is that uh, it sounded like maybe he lost it due to some kind of trauma. And so it's still like, you know, when he moves one eye. Yeah. It, yeah. In that aspect, when it shifts in her direction. Okay. But that feels, okay. <laughs> that doesn't feel like a reason to kill someone. Get an eye patch if it bothers you. Say, you know what, Captain White, I'm so sorry. This makes my blood run cold. Is there any way we can just throw an eye patch on that bad boy? Every now He's and already then. a boat captain. He's halfway to eye patch. He might as well. Yeah. I just, I don't, that just, I guess I'm just confused because that definitely does not feel like a reason to kill someone. Well, it, this was uh, progressive. She, she had worked for him for years and over the years she developed this hate doesn't feel like a strong enough, enough word. It eventually, like, she become obsessed. It bothered her so bad that she could not get it out of her mind. So eventually, she figures the only option she has is to kill him. She's got to get rid of this eye. Is this, like, is there something mentally wrong with her? Because I feel like at some point you got to get used to the eye, right? Like, I think there could be. Uh, like I said, this was in the 40s, so we don't really know. But that's, that's kind of what, where I was leaning with it. Yeah. Because it feels kind of like a paranoia, maybe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have heard people, uh, when they were, oh my gosh, what's the word? Like examining the story. um, Reviewing the case. Yeah. uh, Basically, when they were reading through it, they think maybe she might have had some kind of schizophrenia or something Mm -hmm. and not known about it. So it's a possibility. It's a thought that people have. One night. At midnight, heebie-jeebies, Darlene crept into Captain White's room while he was sleeping. She opened the door and stepped inside so slowly, she claimed it took her over an hour to get the door open and get into his room. Oh, my gosh. Ma'am, the amount of time (laughs) you had to just talk yourself out of it. At this point, like you had an hour just between opening the door and getting in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of time to talk yourself out of it. That's a lot of effort. Well, that's what I'm like. You <laughs> put a lot of effort just into getting yes. in that room. I can't imagine just opening the door taking an hour. 
Yeah. Well, opening it, getting inside, I guess maybe because, I don't know, like houses had to have been creaky back then, right? Maybe. I don't know. It's Boston. I imagine the house was old. Well, I mean, 1940, maybe it wasn't, yeah. wasn't as old as you think. Not then. Yeah. But I just, I, I still just can't imagine someone. Because even if he woke up, couldn't she be like, hey, look. I thought I saw something in here. I was just, I was coming to check while I passed by on my potty break in the middle of the night, but <laughs> it's fine. It was nothing. It was nothing. And then she could try, like, try to go back to bed. Not even, I, heck, she could have been like, hey, came in here to get your clothes. It's supposed to rain today. So I woke up early. He doesn't know it's 12 in the morning. He just knows it's the middle of the night, right? Like it's dark out. I don't know. Or she could go in and be like, look, Captain White, I hear something downstairs. I think there's yes. someone here. You're a big, strong, burly 82-year-old man. <laughs> Can you go? What do we do? Help this damsel in distress. <laughs> oh, no. Please help. Also, he's 82. Like, don't you think he's a little hard of hearing? Yes, I do. But maybe, I don't know, maybe this is part of her charm. Yeah. He's. 80 he's 82 mm-hmm. probably hard of hearing this is an assumption and he's blind in one eye you didn't need to go that slow girlfriend <laughs> i'm sorry you didn't need to go that slow maybe she's just being really cautious she's being overly cautious maybe she <laughs> maybe it took her so long because she was like trying to talk herself out of it but in her mind there was like no we have to do it but like her rational yeah was like no don't do it so she was actually just spending like the whole time like this is your door she was like "Mm." (laughs) just opening and closing it and open she had the devil and the angel on each shoulder and she's just like guys make up my mind please and the the devil won so yeah oh yeah he does so she takes an hour to open the door and get inside the room but when she finds herself looking at him she just cannot bring herself to do it because she doesn't hate the man. She just hates his eye and his eyes are closed. So she's just looking at Captain White. And so she decides against it and she goes back to bed. Oh, okay. She spent an hour going in <laughs> just mm-hmm. to be like, oh, he's fine. The eye is closed. I can go to bed. Yeah. I love this guy. He's great. I don't know what his family's talking about. Oh, my God. But the next morning, she goes into his room again to wake him up this time. And she claimed that he had absolutely no idea that she had snuck into his room and stared at him because she asked him how he had slept last night. And he was like, great. Yeah, everything's fine. He's like, great. Why are you asking? Don't be weird. I guess maybe that was a normal question, but. Why are you asking? Go get my coffee. Where is my coffee, Darlene? You know better. Come with coffee in hand. She does this for a week. She spends an hour a night for a <laughs> week, for seven days, yes. sneaking into his room just mm-hmm. to be like, I guess I don't really want to kill him. Yeah, he's like, he looks so peaceful. Um, ma'am, maybe that's your sign just to not do it. Uh, well, she does. And she does it on the eighth night. And Oh, so not even set. It was eight nights she did this hour-long door-opening mm-hmm. ritual. Yep. And on the eighth night, it was the same, her same routine, hour long, door open. But she had kind of found like a sick pleasure in this, in watching him sleep at this point and him not knowing about it. 
So as she's opening the door, she kind of chuckles a little in her excitement and she hears him move in the bed. Yeah, it's because you're chuckling now. Yeah, which is even creepier. Can you imagine? Okay, just 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 for a second. Your room is pitch black in the middle of the night. So dark that somebody is opening your bedroom door and you have no idea. And you hear a quiet laugh. Look, I'm more focused on the fact that she's getting some sick pleasure out of this. <laughs> like, first of all, that's not fun for anyone involved. Mm, no. Secondly, of course he's going to wake up. You can't laugh out loud while he's uh, sleeping. There's no LOLs right now. Well, she said she laughed to herself. So I'm thinking like a little, a little, a little. (laughs) Well, I doubt it. We've already established that I don't think he had the best (laughs) hearing. He was a captain, you know. I'm sure he was around like loud gunshots and sounds and didn't protect their ears. What boats are are you on where people have guns? I don't know what type of boat he was on, but I said sounds. What if he went into the engine room regularly? Okay, that's a fair point, yeah. Or the horn, you know? Like, I'm just imagining, I'm also imagining, like, a sea battle, but I'm thinking more like pirate ships <laughs> with, like, the yeah. cannonballs. That's where my brain's going with this uh, captain. But No, not that kind of merchant. Damn. Um, <laughs> that's where my brain was going, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that's, I just, I can't imagine he was doing anything to protect his hearing. So ma'am, I don't think you just did a chuckle to yourself. I think it was like, <laughs> like you were, you were real proud of yourself, weren't you? So she's just guffawing in this man's <laughs> threshold. Yeah. <laughs> she probably also creaked the wrong stair or something, the wrong floorboard. Mm-hmm. Board, board. Lord, I was trying to take a sip of water or whatever the hell I'm drinking. Okay, so she is really bad at this killing people thing. Um, especially tonight. She's laughing. She hears a move in the bed. So she goes to shine a light in the room. From what it sounded like, I know, from what it sounded like, it was like a flashlight with a paper or some kind of cover over the piece that the light comes out. So there was just a little sliver, like a little beam of light. He's only blind in one eye, (laughs) ma'am. Of course you shining light in his eyes is going to wake his ass up. Well, it's too dark to know where she's shining the light. But like, you don't have to have two eyes to see a light shining into a room. right? Right. But regardless, she thinks it's a good idea. She's an and she has done this every night since. She's had this light with her. Why she chose to use it when he was moving? moving. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, when she went to turn it on, and I, I'm sorry, I probably should say she stopped for a while when he moved. She did stop and wait, I guess, mid-door. So I don't know, maybe it took her an hour and a half tonight. But eventually, he's not moving. She's not moving. She's like, okay. He's not moving because he's now just looking at her like, what the fuck are you doing, Darlene? This man, he's got to be, like, listening with every fiber of his being, right? If he can't see her, you know you heard someone laugh. You don't just go back to sleep when you hear that. It's either crazy Darlene or it's a demon. Those are the options. At this point, she's probably led on to the fact that she's been watching him sleep at night, whether she knows it or not. Probably asking more of those creepy little, how'd you sleep last night? 
Oh, pretty good. <laughs> you didn't feel any presences in there? Good. Did everything look the same when you woke up as when you went to sleep? Good. Yeah, he's probably on to her. He's like, ma'am, why are you asking these weird questions? In fact, my slippers were moved an inch to the right. Why? And where's my coffee, Darlene? Still not getting the freaking picture, Darlene. Bring the <laughs> coffee with you. Don't wake me up without coffee another day ever again. When she goes to shine this light in the room, Bryce, her thumb slipped and it made a little noise. And she heard Captain White say, who's there? It's just me, Darlene. It's just me. Just, I've got your coffee. I forgot it downstairs, though. Let me go get that. <laughs> just can't get this right. Man, this one's a real rough one. I don't it's know when real, I'll get it. This is a real pickle. It's a head scratcher. I don't know. <laughs> she hears him say, who's there? And at this point, she's half in the door. And she stayed there. Like that, like half in this door doorway for about an hour. And he never laid back down. Because he's looking at you now, Darlene. You probably put <laughs> the hallway light on behind you. <laughs> so he's just like, what the hell is this woman doing? And should I be worried? Because <laughs> at some point, your eyes have to adjust to the dark, right? So you can, you see at least a silhouette. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if her his eyes adjusted or not. That hallway light was on. <laughs> she just, she clicked that on. Or a, a candle. I don't know. There's some illumination coming from behind her. And she's just standing there. And that's even creepier. Because it's just the silhouette now. It's oh. like what Annie does. The Snapchats you send me in the creepy toddler face. Did I not tell you she's creepy? Yes, so, so is Darlene. Oh. You better be worried about Annie's intentions. I, I was worried about her intentions. Like when she was still in the womb. Okay. Because I knew this is my child. We are in for it. I'm just saying like. Don't let her hear about Darlene. Okay. So eventually, as they're standing there in their weird little nighttime standoff. He doesn't even know about this standoff. He's just like, what the hell is Darlene doing? <laughs> she hears him. She describes it as a low groan. And she said it was really like guttural. Like the sound someone makes when they are just absolutely terrified. Yeah, crazy lady, I'd be terrified too. Now, she had that light. She hadn't turned it on yet because it made that sound. But this time, she decides this is the perfect time to turn that light on. And she shines it into the room, turns it on. Well, I should say she points it into the room, turns it on. And the eye is looking at her. It falls directly on the eye. And she instantly, she said she got furious so she's looking at this eye look at her she claims it was so quiet that she could hear his heartbeat and it's beating faster and faster she could tell he was scared yeah no shit sherlock this made her even more mad that he was terrified of a random person in his room shining a small flashlight in his eye she slings the door open and runs at him he had enough time to yell one time before she pulled him onto the floor, pulled his mattress on top of him, and lay there until he stopped moving. Laid on top of the mattress. Ma'am. Mm -hmm. Mattresses are heavy. I don't know how what they weighed in the 40s, but today they are heavy. 
she had to have been real mad. Why is she mad that he's scared? I don't, what? No shit, Sherlock. I don't get that either. Like, okay, the eyeball made you mad. I get that. Like, I mean, I don't get it. But okay, if the eyeball made you mad. But why is he, you said you like this. You love this man. Why is his, his, him being terrified adding to your rage? Maybe it's that, that paranoia or whatever mentally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe she had been getting some sort of, I guess, therapy type of thing with watching him sleep. Where maybe she saw him more as a, a person and was be able better to cope uh, with the eyeball throughout mm-hmm. the day. But that night, it's looking at her, it's looking scared, and she's like, and maybe in her head, she's like, I am the one that's scared, not you. That was kind of deep. I got you. Okay. I, I, think I, I like that. Okay. Okay. That's my theory right now. She stayed on top of the mattress for a while after he stopped moving. Eventually, she did get off and checked on him. And she said when she pulled the mattress off, he was stone cold. She checked for a pulse, but couldn't find one. After this, she cut off his head, arms, and legs. And she said she caught the blood in a tub. I'm guessing either this is like, you know, one of those big old like barrel type things, barrel type tubs that you used to like wash clothes in the hard way, or she put him in the bathtub. That wasn't really clear. I'm just, I'm first of all, how long did you lay on him for him to be cold? That's what it has to be a while, right? Because we know, not through experience, we know that. Thank you for clarifying that we know <laughs> not through experience. We know not through experience that after you strangle or smother or whatever somebody, you, you gotta, they're not dead. Like they can, ugh, this is dark. Okay. They're not dead. You have to put in like that little extra effort. Okay. Okay. So they don't just wake back up. But rigor mortis. In general, if the body feels warm and no rigor is present, death occurred under three hours before. If the body feels warm and stiff, death occurred three to eight hours earlier. If the body feels stiff, cold and stiff, death occurred eight to 36 hours earlier. I disagree with that. And, th- and this is why. Um, so when my mom died, she died in, uh, in the hospital in, oh, heck, what do you call it? Hospice. In, in hospice in the hospital. So we were there when she took her last breath. She got cold pretty fast. Like, I'm sorry if that makes people uncomfortable, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I'd say maybe about an hour or so. If that, she was already getting cold. I'm telling you, the next one says it takes around 12 hours for a human body to be cool to the touch and 24 hours to cool the, uh, to cool the core. But if you're t- touching extremities like her hand. Yeah, that's what we were touching. I bet those go cold first because you know circulation Circulation. differences yeah so i can see that Mm -hmm. but i think if she's touching the rest of his body because she she would have been yeah because she checked for a pulse too and she couldn't find one so she's going to be checking like i I, in the 40s a random darlene i would guess she's touching his chest trying to feel a heartbeat yeah i'm gonna say he probably I'm going to have FBI at my door because I just Googled how long does it take to go for a body to go cold. I swear to God, FBI, I'm just doing this to figure out how long Darlene laid on this poor man. I swear to God. Okay. Well, it had to be. Okay. I'm sorry. I should have put this together. The cops got there at four in the morning because um, I didn't put it in my notes, but she did talk about she heard like the, the clock tower somewhere. 
dinging that it was 4 a.m. And the cops were knocking on her door, either like simultaneously or right after. And she started sneaking into the room at midnight. She stood in the door for an hour. So about maybe an hour or two, somewhere around in there. I think she laid on that body longer than she said. I think she started before midnight. That's my vote. That's my. Do you think she's an untrustworthy person? Yeah. (laughs) I a thousand percent do not (laughs) consider her trustworthy. You wouldn't let her. No, I don't care if the secret hurt her heart, but <laughs> I'm not trusting her with the stolen snicker ball bar from the freaking convenience <laughs> store. Oh, I was going to ask if you trusted her to dog sit. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. I like my dogs, okay? I want them alive, ma'am. And yes, my mattress may be heavy, but adrenaline does stuff to people, okay? And my dogs <laughs> yeah. are annoying, okay? Ooh. Okay, so she she dismembered him. She pulled up three of the floorboards and just put his body in it. And no sooner than she had put the floorboards back, this is when the police were knocking on the door. The sound of Captain White's heartbeat coming from the floorboards is what she told them led to her losing her composure. Because she could hear his heart still beating and she swore that the cops could hear it too, but they were just messing with her, like acting like they didn't hear it. But she said it was so loud. There's no way they did not hear that. Ma'am, he has no heartbeat because of you. That's just the guilty conscious. Yeah. Um, the police, they never heard them. Um, well, yeah. So does, does this story right now, does it sound familiar at all? Have you ever heard of this? No. Oh. Okay, it is a pretty, I see a pretty well-known story. Um, it didn't happen, but it was, this is my story based off of The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. I freaking had a feeling. <laughs> but Darlene, yeah. making me so angry for nothing. Um, Edgar Allan Poe was born January 19th, 1809, and he's one of my all-time favorite authors yeah he can be an author poet author man of everything uh so i don't know i thought this would be fun uh darlene g apollo is actually an anagram of edgar Allan poe and the story captain joseph white that is real but let me tell you what actually happened okay What I told you about him was true. He was murdered April 6th in 1830 in Salem, Massachusetts. And basically, he was a grumpy old man who was known to rewrite his will all willy-nilly when his family pissed him off. His grandniece, Mary Beckford, she married Joseph Knapp without permission. And this is what pissed off Captain White. Yeah. Knapp used to work for Captain White. and. White considered him, this is a quote, a lazy, cowardly fortune hunter. So when the two got married, he fired Knapp and disinherited his grandniece. I mean, Knapp Knapp was not happy about this because it kind of seems like he was a fortune hunter. He was pissed off. Let's just call it what he is. He's a gold digger. He is a gold digger. Yeah. He was... He had a lot of debt that he needed paid. Sounds um, like a him problem. 
Mm-hmm. But he he tried to solve that problem by marrying Mary, <laughs> Mary, Mary, by marrying Mary because Captain White had no children. So his his wife, Mary, Captain White's grandniece, she would have been pretty well off after he died. When they got word that Captain White rewrote his will, Joseph Knapp, along with help from his brother, Frank Knapp, they developed a plan. You're still not getting any of the money, sir. Oh, no, they do not. Spoiler alert. They hired a well-known career criminal named Richard Crowninshield. How great is that last name? No, I'm mad at him right now. I'm mad at you right now. Oh. Put me through all this emotional distress with Darlene. <laughs> <laughs> they they pay they gave Richard Crowninshield a thousand dollars to kill Captain White. Joseph snuck into the house one day and stole the will, and then he left a window open. So four days later, Richard Crowninshield snuck into the home and bludgeoned Captain White in the head with a club as he slept. And then as if that wasn't enough, he also stabbed him multiple times, I guess, for good measure. I don't... Gotta make sure the job's done, I guess. Yeah, I guess. They were all found out because somebody overheard Richard talking in a bar about opening Captain White's safe that they had also stolen this night. So they were all caught. Richard Crowninshield was... He hung himself in his cell while he was awaiting trial. Frank Knapp was tried and the jury deliberated for 25 hours before announcing they were deadlocked. So the judge declared a mistrial, scheduled a retrial. And this time, after what was described as the greatest argument ever addressed to a jury by Senator Daniel Webster for the prosecution, that jury named Frank Knapp as principal to the crime and convicted him of murder after five hours. Joseph was also later convicted. And both men were hanged along with Richard Crowninshield's brother, George, who was also had helped with the murder and he was also tried. This is what was said to have inspired uh, Edgar Allan Poe to write The Telltale Heart. So it was, yeah, it was fun. It was all fake. Well, no, 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 it was not. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. It was half fake. Darlene was fake. still died. Yeah, Darlene was fake. All right. Well, I'm still upset about Darlene. She's creepy. She is. And I did take a little bit of liberty with the story to make it work because, you know, the story's four pages long. Um, But yeah, it was it was as close to the story as I could get. Could you maybe make Darlene less creepy next time? Absolutely not. No. I guess I should have looked at the picture, which clearly shows a man murdering Joseph man White. In bed. Yeah. And this was an actual, it was in like an artist rendition that was in a paper from way back in the day. Um, I maintain that Darlene is the worst. I don't care if she's real or not. I hope the secret hurt her heart. I think it did. I hope it still hurts her heart. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. All right. Um, Are you ready for a different story? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. It's been a minute since I've done a larger cryptid. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to actually, yeah, this, this was actually a Cody request because I needed help deciding on one specifically deciding on a story. And sorry guys, it's not Bigfoot. 
still not Bigfoot, um, but they are a quite large topic because we're going to be talking about giants today. Ooh. So these beings are, I mean, giants are found in Greek mythology, stories of the indigenous tribes of the Americas, and just they're really found all over the world. Stories of giants. The word giant was first coined in the 1297 works of Robert of Shit, I forgot to double check his name. I put Gloucester, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to say Gloucester. Oh, okay. But Robert of whatever Chester, <laughs> he he derived the word giant from the Greek word gigantes. I assume I don't know. Okay. I don't speak Greek, but that looks like gigantes to me. Okay. So I think we all know what like the basic concepts are giants are, but I'm gonna pretend that you guys don't know. So okay. a giant. Typically appears humanoid, but they're much larger in size, hence they're giant. They represent a human with an enlarged body. Some describe them as being so large they are considered monstrous. Giants are known often to evoke terror among humans. A lot of claims state that giants remind humans of their body's frailty and morality. Rude and unnecessary, but okay. And they're, in size, they're... They range, they can be from 10 to 15 feet on average, but a lot of stories go up in that size. Now, a lot of people believe that giants have superior strength, which, okay, if they're 10 to 15 feet, I assume they have superior strength. they, they better. And often a lot of fairy tales will depict a giant as dim-witted or just extremely violent, though you often have the opposite end of that spectrum, where giants are smart and friendly instead. Okay. Now, giants are often portrayed as monsters, as the antagonist, or the villain of many, many stories. Though, there are plenty of stories where giants and humans are friendly, even fighting together, having children together. What? Well, I mean, if they're only 10 feet tall. Oh, okay. You know. But yes, um, there's a lot the of those. A woman. Hoping the giant's something not too scary, okay? Mm-hmm. So, giants, well, for the most part, they're just folklore, mythology, they actually do or are believed to appear in religious texts. In the Abrahamic text in Genesis, they speak of Nephilim. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I forgot to Google this word. Nephilim. Now, this is loosely translated to giants in a lot of the different translations of the Hebrew Bible. Though in other versions of the Hebrew Bible, Nephilim is just not translated. Like, it's its own unique thing. But according to the translated version of the Hebrew Bible, Genesis 7.23, the Nephilim were destroyed in Noah's flood. Even though Genesis refers to the Nephilim as being destroyed, there are references to them after the flood as well in the Anakim, the Amorites, the Rephites, and the Book of Numbers. All reference after the floods to these Nephilims. Now, you have stories such as the tales of Gog and Magog and David and Goliath that are after the floods that all reference a giant of some sort or i shouldn't say a giant a nephilim and i didn't go into too many details about gog and magog or david and goliath because those might be fun stories for us to do so i opted not to uh historian josephus he would also describe the amorites as giants in his antiquities of the jews this antiquities of the jews it's a work of 20 volumes it's a historiographical work It was originally written in Greek during the 13th year of the reign of Roman Emperor Domitian, which is about 94 CE. Uh Uh-oh. So yesterday. 
Real old guys. Yeah. Essentially, the Antiquities of the Jews is an account of the history of the Jewish people. So the point that this historian, Josephus, he describes these Amorites as giants in the writings. In Book 5, Chapter 2, he would write, quote, For which reason they removed their camp to Hebron, and when they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. There were still then left the race of giants, who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men, that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike any credible relations of other men. So he's saying, basically he's saying there were giants, they were slain, and in this quote it does allude to them having in... 94 CE, it alludes to them having the remains, or as some called it, the fossils of the slain giants on display at the time. Oh. So, you know, historical things. Yeah. Also in religious texts, the Book of Enoch, Enoch, it describes giants as the offspring of watchers and women. That would be... Of watchers? Yep. So Enoch 7-2 is where this is described, and the watchers are a type of angel. That's all I got from description. I don't know if that's there. more or less creepy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So that's what I could find in specifically regi- religious or biblical texts. But there's a ton of mythologies about giants. These are, I mean, these range from Greek mythology to um, to the Solomon Islands to everywhere. So what I did, because there are so many stories about giants. I kind of cherry picked. I tried to find the like the older stories or kind of more origin type stories. Okay. So I cherry picked the stories and I chose my favorites. And I want to know like this is not even close to the amount of stories or mythologies that contain giants. Like this is just what I chose to cover. And we get that and, right because we're the ones doing the research. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Guys. Back off. Also, do you want me to go on for three hours? Because I can find three hours worth of stories easily. I mean, if you can, I can find the time. Wait. The only time I have is tomorrow, actually. Then I go back to work. So maybe not. Yes. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I know I don't work tomorrow, but. I appreciate you offering them. So these are just like the top ones. And I kind of did them in order of, not that I don't like them, but they're like the least favorite to the favorite for me. So. Okay. Save the best for last. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all my opinion on what the favorite is. You guys might disagree. To the Armenians. The founder of the Armenian state is Hayek. According to sources, Hayek was a part of a race of giants. This race of giants helped to construct the Tower of Babel. Do you know what the Tower of Babel is? Is that the one where they were building it to heaven? But they stopped. I don't know. I just know. So I'll probably add this to the, the drive. But the basics I got about this tower is that it's an origin myth is what it was called. It's like a biblical myth or something like that. Uh, it's meant to explain why the world's peoples all speak different languages. Oh, okay. I'll be damned. That is the one I was thinking of. Like, they were, from what I remember, they were trying to build a tower to heaven and to stop them. God was like, nope, because you can't understand you anymore. Sure. I'm like that. I didn't do that much research. I just got bare minimum just because I'm like, we could probably do a story on that. Yeah. So I, I need to add I knew that. that. So. I'm super proud of you for knowing that because <laughs> I'm like, Tower of Babel cool and i don't even know if i'm saying that wrong or that correctly so if it's the tower of babel and that's where we get the term babel i would appreciate it but that's probably Um, not true i'm voting for it to be the tower of babel 
Babel. We can, I mean, it can be our Tower of Babel. Okay. I mean, we do a yeah. Tower of Babel every day. Yeah, exactly. So we know Fine. Towers of Babel. We know how to Babel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys have gotten to this point. You know that we know how to Babel. Yeah. Anyways. So according to historians and the stories of Hayek, he was considered to be very handsome, very personable, curly hair, sparkling eyes, strong arms. I think a woman wrote this, by the way. I think um, a man wrote it. I think he wrote it, <laughs> actually. He wrote this about himself. He was like, listen, he had some <laughs> curly hair, some sparkling eyes, strong arms, guys. He was very personable. Yeah, totally makes sense that he mm-hmm. would write this about himself. But, oh, it gets better because he was also considered to be the bravest and most famous among the giants. Oh, yeah. He definitely, he left and came back and was like, wait, 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 add this in there too. <laughs> so, yeah, that makes sense. And he, yeah. uh, he would become the absolute ruler over the giants and heroes. And, I mean, like I said, in they, the Armenian believe that he is like the founder of the Armenian state. And so that is Hayek. I kind of like him. I think he's kind of fun. I bet he would be fun to talk to. <laughs> um, I don't know. Based off of your comments, he might be a little um, narcissistic. Oh, I was being facetious about the fun oh, to talk okay. to part. Like, no, I would probably rip my hair out. Oh, okay. Just making sure we're on the same, yeah, same sorry. page. So next we actually have the Paiutes. In the Northern Paiute, and if you guys don't know where this is, this is a Native American um, indigenous tribe. So this is... Never eat. Sorry. West. <laughs> I had to think about that. Sorry. This is Western U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Like California, Nevada area. Okay. okay thanks. <laughs> Anyways. So a, a lot of indigenous people's stories and tribes are oral history. So let's remember that. Hold up. <laughs> Did you just have to like never eat shredded wheat the West when you are Western? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's never think... you eat you it's never eat soggy waffles what did you just say to me never, never eat, eat soggy waffles never eat shredded wheat soggy waffles i've never heard soggy waffles i mean if my waffles are soggy with syrup i might not hate that what if it's not soggy with syrup what is it soggy with then moisture that just gave me a lump in my throat like i was gonna puke Hey, you guys, tell us how you learned uh, Northeast, Southwest. Yeah, because I'm curious now. I learned soggy waffles. She learned shredded wheat. Which doesn't make sense to me because I like shredded wheat. Well, I was going to say, aren't there like cereals that are like mini wheats? Oh, they're so good. They have to be flavored, though. Like the blueberry ones all day long. I'll destroy them. They're so good. I won't eat shredded wheat either, but that's just because I don't like it. But I also won't eat soggy waffles. If they're not nice and crispy, I don't want it. I mean, I don't know. If they're soggy, you know what? Never mind, because I don't want you to say it again. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to hear the word moisture? Just when I think of it in waffles, because, you know, I worked at Walmart for a long time. So have you ever found a box of waffles that wasn't <laughs> refrigerated and should have been? It's so sad and gross. They're the, are you going to eat those soggy waffles? Ain't nobody eating them soggy waffles. That's Those what, things are going that's the trash. You never eat soggy waffles. Well, I also never eat shredded wheat because, you know, fiber and I don't get along. So. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you. Anyways, back to yeah, the Paiute. Anyway, okay. So the Northern Paiute, they have this history of the Sitika. That's how I'm saying it. I'm sorry if it's wrong. Sitika. 
Um, they did have another name for it, but I, I'm going to butcher that name. I'm sorry, you guys. And these beings are believed to be redheaded, cannibalistic giants. So no big deal. Okay. Now, again, I just want to call out some versions do not state they were cannibals or giants. But for my version's sake, they're both. At least the version I found, they're both. But again, it's an oral history, so things change from tribe to tribe. Now, Siteka possibly translates to tool eaters, and tool is a water plant. So many stories believe that the Siteka lived on rafts made of the tool. And this was to actually escape the harassment from the Paiutes, which rude. Wait, are they uh, otters? No. Okay. It kind of sounds like an otter. No, sorry. They're giants living on a raft. Okay. But do they hold hands? Not anymore. Oh. Okay. That's because they were slain. Eventually, the redheaded tribe is wiped out by the Paiutes. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, sorry. Um, Some believe that there were actually artifacts of the Siteka that were allegedly found in 1911 by miners in the Lovelock Caves. Though more sources, most sources I found, stated that the artifacts found were that of the Paiute people. So, I've got a little discrepancy there. Um, The Paiute also have a creation story that does involve giants as well. So, in this creation story, there were beautiful giants that lived between the Sierra Nevadas and the Rocky Mountains. And these giants, they would give birth to a severely disfigured child. Unfortunately, the giants treated this child very poorly, but as a punishment for the neglect of the child, the great spirit would make the land hot and desolate. So origin of that area, making that a desert. And this allowed for enemies to easily conquer the giants because now they have nothing for their land. And so the giants are conquered and of the giants, only two would survive. One named Paiute and the other was his wife. Their skin would become brown from eternally living in this hot desert. And that's the origin story. I understood this as this was the origin story of that desert area. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, my only question, I don't know if you'll be able to answer it. What about the child? Does the child live? Is he the one that lives? No or clue. Are they the one that lives? No clue. It doesn't tell me. Well, I, mean, I hope it is. If one part, well, two people got to survive, I hope one of them is the poor child that had to go through all that. It did not specify. It just said that Paiute and his wife were the ones that survived. Mm, Okay. So now we're going to go ahead and jump to Chile. Okay. So in Chile, the port town of Caldera, they tell of giants who would actually play with the ships. (laughs) Wait, like a toddler in a bathtub or... Oh, yes. <laughs> so the giants, first of all, I just realized I typoed this and it does not say ship. It says shit. But huh. oh, that's a whole different bullet. It's worse because I also typoed the word port. It's a pot. <laughs> so it says the giants would move one ship from one pot to another. But that's supposed to say the giants <laughs> would move one ship from one port to another. Oh, boy. That sentence just got better the more I read it. (laughs) Okay, sorry. So giants, they would play with these ships, and they would move, like, one ship from one port to another, just mix and match. Child playing in a bathtub. 
Now, that's one legend they have. In the same region, giants were believed to crush humans under their feet. Now, it was not clear if this was intentional crushing or accidental crushing, but they were believed to squash humans, so watch out. Oh. These same giants were said to be so long that they reached from the mountains to the sea when they lay down as well. So, large guys there. I think as a human, I would, I would have to move. <laughs> if I am avoiding a giant's feet daily and when they take yeah. a nap, they're probably squashing people as well. Mm-hmm. They go from the mountain to the sea. I'm out. I'm going to the desert. It reminds me of a bug's life where he gets, is it a bug's life or an ant's life where he gets stuck to the gum on the bottom of the shoe? I don't remember which one it is. What? An ant. An ant's life. Not oh, sorry. Just ants. Yeah, I was going to say ants. I'm I know what you're up. talking about. But I remember that scene and that's what's important. That's, that's what this kind of reminds me of. I don't think they had bubble gum, but that'd be a really large wad of bubble gum. Oh, but they had shoes? I don't know if they had shoes. What if just, it was, okay, but what if it was just like barefoot and tree sap? It's kind of the same. I hope the giant's not stepping on trees and getting tree sap all over their foot. That's got to hurt. How do you not step on trees? That seems just painful. That seems like know. that would be the giant's equivalent to stepping on Legos. <laughs> well, you should have picked up your toys. He was in the harbor, in the port, moving them around. That's still just, I don't know. I've got the best picture in my head. I love it. <laughs> and honestly, if that's all they did, I think I'm okay with that. If he's just like, well, you were parked on port A today. I'm going to put you over on port E. Like, you know what? What if they're not in the ship and they go to port A and they're like, where the hell is my ship? Exactly. If that's the worst that's happening, I, I can live with that. Like, yeah, it's going to be annoying that I have to go find it. But he didn't like snap it in half or sail it to Australia or something. What if he found one he didn't like and he just hucked it? I'm going to have to find out his favorite color. Because okay. <laughs> I do not want that to be my boat. That is my lifeline, oh, sir. I, have, I require this boat to survive. So can you not do that, please? Hopefully you're not in the engine room because you won't even know what's happening. You're not even going to hear him coming. I think these were old enough that they didn't have an engine room. What if the engine room was just a bunch of people down there on treadmills? That's what I was... Well, I was thinking the not the treadmills, but, the you oars. know... The oars? <laughs> Man, I hope they deboarded before anything happened. Now, the stories, again, on these do differ on descriptions of the beings. Some stated they were black giants, but it was not clear if they were talking skin tone or if they were, like, more demonic looking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And some also described them as large bulls, like giant bulls. Bull? Yeah. That's that's horrible. I'm I'm just telling you that's th- different descriptions. I don't know. But there is another uh, story from Chile. And this is the mythical c- city of Tololo Pampa. And I'm going to just throw this note in here that the information I got about Tololo Pampa, it was all of it was translated from different sites. Mm-hmm. So if the Google translation's wrong, I apologize, but we're just going to collectively blame Google. Okay. Don't I don't me. read any form of Spanish. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if Chile is Portuguese or Spanish, but either way, I don't read it. Okay. Okay. So Tolo Pampa is said to appear at night. So this beautiful city, it appears in the middle of the night and it, it is described as a beautiful city. It's illuminated with large buildings, bridges. It even has a palace. In this palace lives a princess named Tololo Pampa. 
Now, this princess is believed to be beautiful. She had a dark complexion, long black hair. Um, and she also had a magical charm that would emerge from her black eyes. But it's not clear to me what that charm was. We just know. I don't know if that means that she was like a charming and it was magical. Or if there was a physical magical charm that came out of her eyes. I don't know. Like some kind of strange contact lens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But we know that she was very beautiful. And in this city, there's a lagoon where, like, the city was even reflected like a mirror. And also into Lolo Pampa is, now, the, the translation called them long legs. Okay. And this is a giant miner, like an actual giant that was a miner. Other non-translated names included Pata Larga. Gigante Minero, Minero Gigante. So those are not translated. Um, again, translated version calls them long legs. So we're going with it. And when also, you say minors, you mean like adolescents, right? No, I mean like oh. a minor. Oh, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. He's not a minor. He's a minor. So he's going for ore and gold and stuff. He's looking for precious gems. Okay. So I'm calling him long legs because I'm sorry, guys, that just made me giggle every time I read it. <laughs> a long legs over here, he actually searches for treasures in the mines to give to the princess. He oh, does he love her? Well, I don't know. He just I guess he does. He's looking for treasures to give to her. In a lot of different versions, he had a helper that is a bull with a star on their forehead. And this bull also had horns of flames. Ooh, okay. So pretty cool, pretty cool bull, I guess. But Longlegs and his companion, they would mine every night in search for treasures. It is said anyone who enters the city of Pampa, they find this place just to be enchanting. Everything is very joyful, very happy. Many who have entered say they dined with the princess herself and just everything was incredible and amazing. Now, some claim to have also befriended Longlegs over here. And when they do befriend him, they're taken to the mine. And their friendship is rewarded with treasures that will make them rich. Right? Long legs is like, we're buds. Let's go to the mines. Get you a couple treasures. I'll get the princess some treasures. You're rich. I'm rich. I got the princess. You're good. Okay. Sounds like a good person to know. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day after entering Tololo Pampa, the memories of the night are always vague, almost dreamlike, like it was just all in a dream. But it is said after visiting the city... People that have gone there have had great mining success. Other legends say that if a person is able to watch the giant while he works, that person will be blessed with good luck for the rest of their lives. Oh, okay. So that is the what I could find on the legend of Tololo Pampa. I kind of enjoyed that one. I like that one. I think it's the bull with the flaming horns. It was that and the charming eyes. Oh, the charming. I have no idea how they're charming. I just like it. I don't know. We just know there's some charm in them. Yeah. And I like the fact that he's taking care of his, who I'm assuming, woman. Like, I'm just going to go out, work all night just to bring you home riches and jewels. It might not even be his woman. That's the princess. He might just be trying to earn favor. I like my story better where they're in love. Okay, that's fine. Well, this will take us on to Greek mythology. And guys, Greek mythology is just full of giants. Like I'm not, it's just full of giants. So there's a lot of Greek mythology I did not include in here. I narrowed it down. 
to the ones that felt most giant-esque and not like Cyclops-esque or, you know, different cryptid-esque. Okay. Though there is one I'm going to talk about that is definitely not giant-esque, but I kind of love them, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, in Greek mythology, mythology, the giants were the children of Uranus and Gaia. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was not. Such a child. I was not expecting that. You have to give me a warning. You can't just come out with giants or the children of Uranus and not expect me to laugh. The planet. Okay. okay. Woo. Okay. <laughs> the god Uranus. Okay. And Gaia. I don't know how to say this one. Gaia. G-A-I-A. I don't freaking know. Gaia, but I think. Gaia. I don't freaking know. But they're the spirits of the sky and earth. And this is according to the poet Hesoid. Probably didn't say that right, but that's fine. I'm just still trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. I'm she's listening. Such, you guys, she's such a child. She's still <laughs> stuck on the fact that giants are the children of Uranus. <laughs> Look, I'm crying. <laughs> not that type of anus. <laughs> I know. I should Look. I appreciate poop jokes more than the next person, okay? I know you do. I know you Ooh. do. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm an okay. adult. Let's go. Okay. In Greek mythology, the giants and the Olympian gods were actually involved in conflict. And this was known as the giantomachy? Giantomachy. I don't know. It's a war. Okay. That's the battle okay. name. I don't care. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information about this war and what it may involve, but I opted to read about it and none of it really was like all about giants. And so I didn't put it in my notes. Sorry. Not sorry. Okay. Essentially. I should say I didn't opt to put a lot of details. Essentially, it's a struggle between the Olympian gods and the giants for control of the cosmos. So you've got like Zeus and, you know, Poseidon and all of that fighting with the giants. Now, Gaia, they would have the giants attack Mount Olympus. And in this battle, it would end when Heracles, he would help the Olympians and help defeat the, uh, the giants. So they lost. Also in Greek mythology, I am going to butcher how this is said, and I don't care. But also in Greek mythology were the Hecatonchires. Hecatonchires. I'm going to give you the basic on these guys, because I'm thinking I can do a whole story about them, and I'm actually really excited to do a whole story about them. But these beings are also called the Hundred Handers. And there's only three of them. But they so were giants. There's only 300 hands. Between yeah. Them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, that might be a little more concerning. So there's only oh. three of them. They are giants, but each of them has 50 heads. Whoa. And then, as you guessed it, 100 arms and hands. The picture doesn't show 50 heads. I don't know. I'm just telling you what maybe, I found. Maybe the 50 of them can all combine to make one big head. One big bobblehead? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just telling you. That's what I know of them. And they're they're pretty great. Okay. So this guy's ready to fight. <clears throat> well, he is, it's true. Yeah. So is there's like only a, three. Sorry, is it like uh one weapon for every hand? I guess. Oh, okay. He's just got a lot going on here. He's got a sickle, he's got a hammer, he's got another hammer. He's got one hand that's just in a fist. Yeah. One that's hand that looks like it's pointing. 
there's one hand that he's got back here that looks like it's holding a brush, like a makeup brush, like he's about to put some hella blush on somebody. I don't know. I, I assume that's not what he's doing because he's going into battle. Hey, to each their own. Look, these beings helped Zeus and the Olympians overthrow the Titans during the Titanomachy. I probably said that wrong. During the war with the Titans, okay? There it is. For like, okay. you know, uh, Hercules, that movie, and the Titans that rose. Mm-hmm. I believe this would have been before Hercules when the Titans first rose. So, okay. Before Olympus was under Zeus's rule? No, it would be under Zeus's rule. It doesn't matter. It was, he okay. helped Zeus and the Olympians. No, he, because they overthrew the Titans. So, yes. Okay, gotcha. So, this is how Zeus came to be. Basically. How I understood it, yes. Gotcha. Okay, I'm with you. I know a oh. tiny bit about this. Yeah. And, I don't know I how mean, to say the words, though. I'm sorry. No, I don't either. It's fine. These beings are often referenced as giants or considered related to or in the realm of giants. So that's why I threw them in, even though they have 50 heads and 100 hands. I love uh, it. It's like I love super them. mutant giants. I'm, I think I'm going to do a whole story on them. I'm excited. story. So... And there are so, so many stories in Greek mythology. Again, I just pulled some of my favorites, but they have more stories that involve being such as Cyclops, um, Giginis, Hyperboreans, and Lastrigoians. I don't know if I said that last one. But those are also considered in the realm of giants as well. So just thrown out there. I know there's more. I just chose not to include them. Okay. Okay, we're going in. This actually might be my favorite, but I do have two more to go over. I just kind of was a little torn between Bulgaria and the other one. Okay. So we're going into the Bulgarian mythology of giants, and these giants are known as Ispolini. The Ispolini are believed to have inhabited the earth before what we know the modern day humans are. So they're considered to be the second out of three generations of people to inhabit the earth. Modern humans being the third people. Would you like to guess what the first people who, before the Ispolinis were? Who? Lizard people. No. Oh, okay. Dwarves. Ah! I was almost there. Dwarves. So dwarves were believed to be the first people to have inhabited the earth. But the first people, uh, they were unable to protect themselves from wild animal animals, and they were not able to cultivate the land appropriately. That does not sound like dwarves. Apparently, not, it did. not the dwarves that I know of. Not these dwarves. But after the dwarves died out, it's believed that God created the opposite of dwarves, the Ispolini or giants. <laughs> I would say that's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. I think he was like, yeah, that didn't work. Let's try something completely different. Yeah. And so the Ispolini, they're described as being about 10 feet tall. Typically, you're looking at three meters. They have huge heads, and some legendary or legends would portray the Ispolini. Sorry, I misread that. Some legends would portray the Ispolini as having three heads and a singular eye, and that eye would be the size of an egg and on their forehead. It's not clear if it was one eye per head or one eye total. And there are also some depictions that showed them only having a single leg. No, I don't know how it works. Don't ask me questions. They got a lot of sharing to do. Uh-huh. I was the middle of three children. And let me tell you that we would not, this wouldn't work. No, it would not. Absolutely not. No. Now, some reference these beings as being more reminiscent of Cyclops. 
as in like the Greek mythology, which I didn't go over. But these beings are also believed to have supernatural powers, of course. Didn't tell me what the supernatural powers were, but it told me they were believed to have them. Now, the Ispolini lived in the mountains. And with many different variations of the giants, um, many different variations of giants, they would actually, the giants would feast on raw meat. You'll hear that in a lot of stories as well. Okay. Now, the Ispolini, they would often fight against dragons, like they were their natural enemies of dragons. And while these are large and fearsome, um, they had a kind of unique fear. Do you want to guess what the fear is? Of the giants? The, yeah. Mice. No. Oh. They had a fear of blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Why? I'm going to tell you right now because blackberry <laughs> bushes posed a tripping and potential fatal tripping danger because these Ispolini are slow in movements. So they're afraid of blackberries because they're afraid they're going to trip over the bush and die. So out of three heads, I feel like you should have a pretty good, a pretty good grasp of where the blackberry bushes are, though. What if a new one pops up and they didn't know about it? With three heads? If you're doing your, your routine checks, your walks, your perimeter searches... You don't know about that blackberry bush. Also, mm-hmm. blackberries are delicious, so you're really missing out. Well, look, they were so fearful of these blackberry bushes that they also, they would often offer sacrifices to the blackberry plants. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. What does one sacrifice to a blackberry bush? I, I didn't get clarity on that. I just said sacrifices. So. Stop it. Now, in the legend, it is said that God would destroy the Ispolini because he deemed them to be just like the dwarves. They just simply were not suited for life on earth, probably because of those blackberry bushes. God sided with the blackberry bushes. God really was like, you're right. This is, we can't do this anymore. But they sent up a complaint. The blackberry bushes. Probably. Like, this is, this is getting this out is, of hand. All we're trying to do is exist here, okay? I didn't yeah. ask for this sacrifice. Please get it off my leaves. <laughs> So he would remove all the Ispolini and then the modern day human would come in. And I guess so far we have been deemed worthy to live on earth. Do you want to start a cult that worships blackberry bushes? Deal. We'll see if we can get a third wipe out. Done. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now there are areas in Bulgaria you can find large heaps of stones that are interpreted as Ispolini graveyards. Um, These are often just ruins of ancient buildings, but many people will reference them as an Ispolini graveyard. Oh. So that is Bulgaria. And I think they're up there. I really struggled to decide who was my favorite. I really like that one, too. I kind of like the the whimsy or the idea of being able Mm -hmm. to drive past like a shattered old building and be able to tell Annie like, yeah, that's a three-headed giant resting there that's afraid of blackberry bushes. (laughs) probably tripped over one so you better watch out that's why we don't Mm -hmm. eat the moldy blackberries get out of the trash (laughs) this is your fate if you do eat them Mm -hmm. you have to respect the blackberries look what (laughs) happened to the Ispolinis yeah it's fine I'm gonna write that down sorry now now the next more mythology it starts kind of veering away from mythology more to kind of some more modern day 
or I guess I should say we're going to start doing that, but this this is like our last mythology history type one. And this is specifically the Solomon Islands. Now, the Solomon Islands consist of six major islands that are found northeast to Australia, or just east to Papua New Guinea. Okay. And in the Solomon Islands, giants are often seen as central figures. They're seen as powerful. They're considered to be supernatural. They have just these crazy abilities or powers. Sometimes they're portrayed as gods or even divine beings. Other times they are seen as ancestral figures. And they believe that they played a role in the world's creation. So much like what we see in the different indigenous tribes of the Americas, the tribes in the Solomon Islands may have different views or descriptions of the giants as well. Now, some descriptions are what we expect to hear of giants. Large, towering, muscular builds. Typically, in the Solomon Island versions, they have long hair, large teeth, and distinctive tattoos. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Others describe them more um, ethereal. That's not right. Ethereal. Wow. Ethereal? Yes. I was like, I can't say this. Ethereal. So... Other descriptions will describe them as ethereal or otherworldly, so more, I guess, godlike. Now, with either of the descriptions, oh, and also some of the descriptions will describe them as having, like, hair, more, like, Bigfoot-esque with hair top to bottom, you know? Okay. Yeah. I shouldn't say top to bottom. Head to toe. Because it doesn't end at their legs, okay? Okay. Just making that clear. Now, either way with the descriptions, the giants for the Solomon Islands are often seen as very powerful or they're very awe-inspiring figures. Now, as I mentioned before, it's believed that they have a lot of different supernatural abilities, including super strength, ability to control the weather, ability to heal the sick, ability to shape the land. This is where the origin stories come in. And the ability to communicate with the spirit world. Those were just the notable abilities these guys could have. Oh, okay. They're like they're doing stuff yeah so now there's a lot of stories about these giants on the solomon islands they range widely um and there are some that are more recent in the more recent versions there's um negative things specifically in one story it describes the kidnapping of a young girl by the name of mango She was taken by the giants and while her tribe and family believed her to be dead she would return 25 years later When she returned, she was not in the best state physically or mentally. And she was pregnant with what was believed to be the offspring of one of the giants. So they believed that she was taken as the wife as one of these giants. Okay. So Mango would give birth to this child. And when the child was only five years old, uh, they would be killed by Mango's brothers. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And after, even after Mango had her child the death of her child, everything, she was considered to be in an unstable state for the remainder of her life. So, not great. It is believed that some of the men of the area, of the region, know where this five-year-old son was buried, but there have never been any investigations, um, archaeological digs, or anything like that done in the area. So, that's just one, one story of a kidnapping. There are a lot more that talk about people being kidnapped by the giants on solomon islands we don't have to get into that right yeah no i only was going to talk about the one okay but we are going to talk about something that happened during world war ii oh okay 
So during World War II, it's believed that Japanese sources, I don't know what you want to call them, they're, I mean, they're soldiers, Japanese soldiers, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to say soldiers, not sources, but it's believed that Japanese soldiers encountered giants on the island. Okay. Now, during World War II, the Japanese and the U.S. forces were engaged in fights on the Solomon Islands. And the Japanese, they would see uh, some creatures or some beings that they would describe around 10 to 15 feet tall, all of them super tall. And they claimed that these creatures would charge at the soldiers. And when the soldiers fired bullets on these creatures, they would have little to no effect on the beings. I gotta go. Uh, yeah. MIA, AWOL, all of them, all of the yeah. acronyms. Let's just, I gotta get They're out of gone. here. Yeah. And the Japanese at the time, they believed these giants to be cannibalistic and they were like, hell no, goodbye. <laughs> so you they can have very- these islands. We don't want them anyway. <laughs> you can fight with the Americans doing this. Bye. <laughs> and so that is the World War II encounter with the Japanese that's reported by soldiers. So they, they claim to have seen him. And the giants in the Solomon Islands, they're believed to still be there on the remote island. There are still sightings to today, reports of kidnapping. Now, a lot of people are like, well, how would we not find a giant? Well, if you look at pictures of the Solomon Islands, their interior, like interior, it's basically uninhabited. Like it is just covered in dense jungle and it's very isolated. So if there's something living out in the woods, we just haven't found it. I'm not going looking. Yeah. I'm not going looking. But that's the Solomon Islands. I'm sure I could have found a lot more on the Solomon Islands, guys. I promise. I just pulled a couple. Now, do you want to talk about, like, the most recent claim of an encounter with a giant that I could find? The most recent documented one, I should say. Can I guess? Uh Uh-huh. Is it where they think they dug up, um, oh, God, Bible man, giant, his skull? No. Okay, what? Goliath? Yes, that. Thank you. No, I didn't even put that in the notes because I was like, eh, it's not giant I, enough for us. I knew what the Tower of Babel was, but I didn't know what Goliath's name. Okay. It's fine. So in 2016, a YouTuber was able to post a, vil- a video with a military contact that was going by Mr. K. In this interview, Mr. K reportedly told them that this, w- this took place in 2002 in the Kandar Kandahar, Kandahar province, Afghanistan. So this is when the U.S. is going into Afghanistan, invading, all that fun stuff. Um, So wars going on there. In 2002, a group of soldiers would go missing while on patrol in this area. And so a special ops team was sent to investigate. And this special ops would find their way up into the mountains, like way high up in the mountains. And they would find a cave. And around this cave had a whole bunch of army equipment. But there's no military personnel. They're like, whose MREs are these? Who dropped this? You know, just military equipment everywhere. And what they did find, Mr. K claims, is a giant. He describes it as being 13 feet tall, had fiery red hair. It had six fingers on each hand and two sets of teeth. Two sets of teeth? Uh Uh-huh. Two sets of teeth where? In the same mouth? Yeah. Uh, what is it? Some kind of shark giant? I guess. Anyways, according to Mr. Uh. K, 
So there are all these special ops are around this cave. Probably like what the hell is happening? And this giant would just emerge from the cave cave and impale one of the special ops soldiers with a spear. That soldier reportedly did not make it. Now, the rest of the special ops, they're like, what the hell is happening? And they take action and open fire immediately. And they claim to open fire for about 30 seconds. And and nothing happens? No, it, it killed the creature. Oh. So this That's giant expected. would would die. They basically explained like the amount of firepower they had, even opening fire for one second was pretty rough. So 30 seconds of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, the giant would be loaded up, taken to a transport plane, and ever since then, the giant has not been seen again. No one has seen it. No one owns anything. The government took it away. According to Mr. K, the soldiers were all forced to sign an NDA, and this became classified as well. Some people are like, why would they have been forced to sign an NDA when they just classify that and now they're forced to not talk about it? I don't know. That's the government. What when did the, they make sense? I know, I know. So many believe this creature could have actually been a Nephilim from the Hebrew Bible. Now, obviously, people are like, no, it's not real. And you have the people that are like, no, it's a conspiracy and the government's hiding all these things. The government denies this ever happened, right? They're like, first of all, in that unit or in that area in 2002, the only soldier named Daniel that died, died in, I can't even remember what it was. It was like a bomb blast. And no other Dan's died from being impaled. Well, of course you're hiding that, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're not really forthcoming with information. We all know that from Area right. 51. So That's fine. I mean, it's fine. But, I mean, the government is like, no, I don't know what they're talking about. They don't, they, they signed a damn NDA. They shouldn't be talking about it anyways. <laughs> um, the government's over here like, you silly goose. And behind the scenes, they're like, who'd you tell? They're like, Mr. K, who is he? Someone get his identity for me. I bet that's not even his real name. I bet he's Dan. I bet he is the Dan. <laughs> he survived and we didn't know it. Gosh. Now, a lot of people simply believe this is a hoax, right? Because there's no additional proof and blah, 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 and all that fun stuff. But that is the story of the Kandahar giant. Now, I did mention early on, there are a lot of stories that just did not make the cut for me because they were either not what I wanted or just not as fun. But there are so many other cultures where giants are referenced in their mythology. You've got the Aztec who features the Queen uh, Metzin, uh, Basque, Hindu, Jain, Jain, I don't know how to say that, Norse, Roman, Indian, all over Europe, and just so many more. I mean, you've got stories like Jack and the Beanstalk and just all sorts of things that I did not include. So if one day I feel like going back and revisiting giants, I will revisit some of those. But that is, that is giants for you. I think um, the Bulgarian one was the Ispolini, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's my favorite. I like him. I think they might be my favorite because how are you tripping over a blackberry bush so much that it's like you guys are frightened of them? How many Sorry. people have you watched die from tripping over a blackberry bush? More Apparently too many. Oh, my God. Apparently. Absolutely helpless. What are you going to do? I did also include a picture of the Ispolini and the Hundred Handers. Look, I can't help it. I included pictures. I believe one of those is Goliath. 
David and Goliath, and then the other one's just a picture of a giant. Vatamorophobia? That's the fear okay. of blackberries. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I don't have that. I just have a dislike of blackberries. I have a passionate love of blackberries, and so oh. does my daughter. Yeah, she pulls the moldy ones out of the garbage. Yeah, yeah she really likes the moldy ones. Those are her favorite. Those ones, those ones that have aged the best. They taste better, yeah. <laughs> that extra shot of penicillin. No big deal, guys. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's Giants. Um, thank you all for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Hills Podcast, X, Helen Hills Pod, or Facebook, searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can continue to create content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.